0: I should come do your singing. Come on, show these young people some love and appreciation. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Do your good? Today I'll be
1: reading after, uh, out of Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Uh, Say amen when you get there. That same same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, We had hoped he was the Messiah who who had come to rescue Israel. These all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have suffered all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writing of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures that the things uh, concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted if he were going on, but he begged them, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took their bread and blessed it. Then he broke and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at this moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he t- talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the other who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen, he
0: appeared to Peter. Amen. Pray for us, man. Hang on, before you pray, when you're reading and you see a comma, you're supposed to go, (gasps) and then when you see a period, you're supposed to stop. He was just nervous. It's okay, yeah. Pray for us, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us to this church today. Yeah. And thank you for the scripture. Uh, please bless the, um, the word the pastor is about to preach to us and let it apply to our everyday lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Each, take that back.
0: Okay. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Hey, amen. I'm excited about these young people and what God is going to do, uh, What is God is already doing to them. As the scripture has been read, um, let me see up front. This is a passage that I um, revisited recently uh, just, I guess, Middle first part of last year, Uh, but the Lord just took me back here for some reason or another. And I wanted to share uh, five things from this passage of Scripture to refocus us is the term I'm going to use as we kind of go into the year. And the reason I want to use the word refocus is uh, my heart is in a, uh, I don't know what the word is, if it's a messed up place or a funny place or I really don't know what's going on. Um, inside of me. But I am concerned for our country. I am. I, I really am. I'm concerned. Uh, I am concerned for the crazy stuff that we're going through. Um, I really am. I, and it's been, it's been extremely, extremely heavy on my heart. And I think I've found myself, um, for the first time in my life, um, praying more, paying attention more, just observing more what's going on um, within this world in which we live. Um, To get to the end of my message, I believe it's time for the church to rise up and be the church. But I'm concerned, yeah, I'm concerned that we're missing that. I really do. I'm, I'm concerned that we're missing that. So this is kind of a weird passage of scripture to kind of look at, to deal and address with these things. But I tell you what, this is the first time I'm seeing in my lifetime, uh, I'm not that old, but, you know, um, leaders um, signing executive orders and judges rescinding executive orders, and I'm seeing some crazy stuff going on, y'all. Is it just me? You know, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, the thing that pains me the most is I am watching um, families be divided. I am I'm watching people that were here doing academic studies go home to either be with loved ones, bury loved ones, and then they get stuck, they can't come back. It's crazy. It's really, it's, it's, that's all I can say. It's a crazy, crazy, crazy time, and I don't know what to do with that. Um, so I'm really been processing. My bigger concern is for the church, and for the church to the extent that um, I am seeing a church divided when the church really should be standing together. I really am. Let me just, let me just say, it. let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, there used to be a time when the word evangelical um, included the body of Christ, but now it seems as if that word is, is being split right down the middle, um, and it has more of a political meaning than it does a theological meaning. And my concern is that um, we're placing our eyes on the wrong thing, and we need to put our eyes back on Christ. Can I, can I say that? I think that's that's my concern for the church, and um, I think I am learning more and more that that um, we cannot afford to have a faulty perception of who Jesus is, or else we miss risking the voice of uh, we risk missing the voice of God in this season within which we find ourselves. Uh, I, I will say this over and over again, and I think I've been saying this for quite some time now. This is not about picking sides or being on any political party or any, it's not about that. This is all about God. And I think God has us here for a particular purpose and a particular reason, and we cannot afford to miss that. Are you with me? Uh, for those of you that know me, you know I'm not the political guy in any shape, form, or fashion. I'm, I'm the, the Bible guy, loves the word of God, love to stick to the word of God uh, to a fault in that I will always side with God's word. You know, that's, that's just me. Um, and I think, I think believers in Christ ought to learn to do the same thing, that we should always side with God's Word. This is the problem that this text that we're about to um, look at briefly today kind of has us on a place where these guys found themselves misdirected. They had a faulty perception of who Jesus is. They had a misconception. And as a result, the air was taken out of their bubble. And it took an encounter with Christ to remind them of who they are so they can get back to being all who God wanted and created them to be. And what I found out about this text is that it is only through a knowledge of Scripture that we as a people and that they came to the the place where they understood God's plan for the suffering Christ to become known as the risen Christ. Let me say it again. I I want you to understand with me that God wants you and I to understand that Jesus had to go through certain things, but he's still alive today. And because he's alive today, my conclusion is my hope is in God. Am I by myself? Are you with me? My hope, my hope really, my hope really is in God. And I want us to 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 look at this. So here's 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 what the the thought I want you to take away before preaching idea is allow God to open your eyes to see Christ um, with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, allow God to open your eyes so you can see Christ with you. Now, I need you to notice how that statement was phrased. The statement was not phrased, you open your eyes to see Christ with you. The statement was intentionally phrased, allow God to open your eyes. Same here, I need to allow God to open my eyes so (laughs) I can see the fact and the truth that regardless of what it looks like, He's with me. Are you with me? Regardless of what it seems, He is here in our midst, regardless of whatever the situation is, God is here with us. Brief, brief literary context, and let's jump into the text. I want to share five uh, simple things with you. Uh, Three days prior to the time of the text, Jesus was just crucified on a cruel cross of Calvary. Um, He died by the hands of, of, of the government at the time, or probably even his own people, because the scripture is clear in saying to us that he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. The problem with the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is that those who were following him ended up losing hope because they became disillusioned. They became disillusioned on his purpose for coming. They became disillusioned on why he entered the earth realm. And as a result, they find themselves losing hope not knowing where they were going to go and what they were going to do. So in the midst of all of that stuff, Jesus shows up with them to kind of open their eyes to remind them of a couple of things. So look at the text with me. I want to read a couple of things, and then we're going to walk through this, okay? So look with me at verse 13, then I'm going to share uh, these points that I want to share. Verse 13 of Luke 24 opens up by saying, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, And as they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened, while they were talking and discussing together, my translation says Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But verse 18, I mean, verse 16 is pivotal because it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Come on, say their eyes were seized. Say it again, say their eyes were seized. Here's the first thing I want you to take away as we kind of talk about seeing Christ with you. If we're going to see Christ being with us, if we're going to know that he is walking with us, the first thing that we must do is we must get to the place where we deal with the things that keep us from recognizing Christ or Jesus in our midst. Okay, come on, say amen. We must get to the place where we deal with the things that keep us from missing or recognizing Christ in our midst. If you look at these texts, these two men, and and one of them is named Cleopas, we don't know what the other's name was. They no doubt were probably disciples, not one of the 12, but they were disciples of Christ or followers of Christ who had probably followed him for the majority majority of his earthly ministry. And as they were walking with him, um, we're going to see in a little while, they had an expectation. They had... They they had something that they expected that Christ would do for them, and when that thing didn't turn out the way they fully anticipated or expected it to do to be, the air was taken out of their bubble. Matter of fact, my translation says that their face became dejected. Dejected. It says that they were sad, um, while they were walking, uh, they were sad with each other. And while they were talking, the text says Jesus himself. Drew near and went along with them. Now, I'm going to amplify a couple of points along the way that I need you to hear me say this carefully. Now, listen to me carefully. There never is a time when you are walking by yourself and Jesus is not with you. There never never is a time, there never is a time, there never is a time. I want you all to hear me say this, and I'm going to do my best to kind of expedite the time. If I don't make it, we'll pick it up. But there never is a time when you are by yourself and Jesus is not with you. And, and, and let me, let me, let me go as, 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 as harsh as to say this. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter what the situation or circumstance is. By virtue of the fact that you name the name of Christ, assuming you're a child of God, if indeed he is omnipresent, meaning there is nowhere we can hide from him, you need to know that he's with you. Okay, my problem is, my problem is though, my circumstance will prevent me from recognizing him because he hasn't shown up in the form that I expected that he show up as. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. The reason you go off on your spouse in your marital relationship is you forget that Jesus is with you. Right? The reason the words come out of our mouth that comes out of our mouth is because we forget the fact that Jesus is with us. The reason we do the things that we do is we forget the fact that he is with us. Are you hearing me this morning? I want to place a subtle reminder that it doesn't matter what happens in the earth realm, where we find ourselves, you need to know he is always with us, so we must deal number one with the things that prevent us from recognizing that He's with me. So here's the thing why is it then do I not know or see that He's with me? Why do I forget? Maybe the problem isn't so much Jesus as the problem is, yeah, yeah. The next phrase, the next phrase in the text, it says this it says, that Jesus helped Judah in verse 18, verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That's scary. That's, 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 that, that's scary. Let me tell you some things about that. Theologically, um, even though their circumstances were blinding them because of the hope that they had, um, if you do the, the, the work on the text, it seems to say when it says their eyes were kept that word that's translated kept is the same word that can be translated seized, meaning that somebody grabbed a hold of their eyes and put this on them. And they couldn't recognize him. Okay? Now, here's what you need to know about that fact that his eyes were That's written in what's called a passive voice. And, and when the, the, the subject of the passive voice is silence, it means that God is the one doing the seizing. So the text almost seems to say to me that God was the one blinding their eyes from recognizing him. So I ask myself, well, God, why in the world would you um, blind their eyes from recognizing him, right? Why would you do that? Here's what the, um, the mood says about the text is that it's written in what's called the um, imperfect tense. And what that really says is that the blinding didn't just begin. The blinding was always there. So this is deep because the whole time they're following Jesus, yeah, y'all get it, 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 you get it. The whole time they're, they're walking with him. They, they couldn't see him. The whole time, they, they, they were chasing him, not for who he was, but for his stuff. Come on, are you with me? And, and because they were following him for the wrong reason, they could never see him because the Lord blinded their eyes. So here's the thing. They were perpetrating or pretending to be something that they really were not. You're going to see this in the text as we kind of develop it out a little while. So God, come on, say God kept them. So for all these years, Jesus is going around feeding the hungry and and clothing the naked and doing the miraculous things that he did. They weren't following him because he was the Messiah. They were following him, checking him out to see if he can do for them what they expected. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. And here's quick application. Check. We need to be myself inclusive. I need to check, we need to check the motive for which we're following Christ. Are we following him because of who he is, or are we following him because of what we expect or anticipate that he would do for us? If we're following him for the latter, guess what? You'll never see who he is because you don't know him, and your eyes will be kept. So if you want to know whether your eyes are being kept or not, check what you do when the light's off. it starts to reveal some things. So, so their eyes, their eyes, their eyes, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And then look at this. Look at the next thing. Verse 17 says, and, and so you got to deal with that. All right? We must deal with, with the thing that's keeping us from recognizing him. So if God is keeping me, if my circumstance is keeping me, if my situation is keeping me, whatever it is is blocking me from seeing who God is, I must get to the place where I must deal with that. Come on, say deal with it. Deal. Say it again. Say deal with it. If we can't put life in proper perspective, we must deal with it. So here's what verse 17 says. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're beholding as you walk on with each other? And they stood still and looked and said, verse 18, one of them said, our name, Cleopas, answered him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened? Okay. And here's what he said. What things? (laughs) And they said to him, concerning... Jesus of Nazareth, and then notice how they, they started to describe him, right? So, so lock into this. If you're going to see Christ as being with us, you cannot have a faulty perception of his purpose in the earth realm. You cannot have a faulty perception. Look at the text. Number one, they said he was a prophet. Okay? Now, now, here's the problem with that. The only framework that they've ever had of a miracle worker were the prophets of the Old Testament. They would see Elijah and Elisha. They would see the, the, the minor prophets. They'd see the major prophets. They'd see all these prophets doing the miraculous. So when Christ come, came, they didn't immediately see him as the Messiah. Coming into the earth realm because of what happened to him. So they lumped him into category in the the same category as being a prophet. Okay? Now anybody in here know that Jesus is a lot more than. Come on. If you believe that, say amen. He's not just some miracle worker. Come on. He 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 is greater than that. So, number one, they thought him to be a prophet. Look at the second thing as we kind of go through this, as they, they had this faulty perception. It says And it says verse 20, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Number two, they thought he was dead. They they, they thought, they thought we were following him, like the kids would say, we were peeping him out. And man, he got word up in him. He can preach. Man, he's got miraculous stuff up in him, but man, he couldn't have been the one because he died. Okay, they, they offered him up, they crucified him, and they killed him. And then look at verse 21, but we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, say it's the third day since all of this had happened. He, here's the faulty perception that they had. The Jews had lived the entirety of their ministry. They had just re- returned from, from um being in captivity under the Babylonian Empire. They were just repositioning themselves, and now they found themselves being subject to Roman Empire, so they are waiting for their day when they would rise to the occasion. In other words, when is my turn going to come? When is our turn going to come as a people? When am I going to be? Here's how we'd say it in church: the head and not the tail. When am I going to be above and not beyond? When am I going to be the lender and not the borrower? When am I going to be the first and not the last? And so listen to me carefully. They had placed this expectation on Jesus. Church, here's the fallacy with that theological framework. If your hope for following Christ is that he make you great, you're missing it. Oh, come on, come on, come on. If you're following him for health and wealth and prosperity and all this stuff, if, if, if you had hope, then we're missing it. We're missing it. They had a faulty perception. And, and, and here's where my concern for our country really comes in. We might be placing our hopes in the wrong place. We might be placing our hope in the wrong people, in the wrong person. It's not about government. It's not about candidates. It's not about magistrates. As people of God, we are resident aliens. You've got to hear me say this. We don't really belong in this art. The moment you give your life to Christ, a transfer has taken place. We're in the world, but we're not of it. I need to remind somebody of that. So we can't hope in any person. We can't hope in anything. We can't hope in any ministry. We, I wish I had somebody in here. Our hope needs to be in God. Are you guys hearing me? Okay. So, so let, me, let, me, let me hurry on. And, and look at this next thing And it says here. And moreover, verse 22, some of the women of our company amazed us. Okay. It says, they were at the tomb early in the morning. And they did not find his body. They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angel who said he was alive. I mean, you got to hear these guys, man, them women were tripping. That's why we don't let them do nothing. Um, Strike. (laughs) But, But here's what they're saying. Our women were crazy. They were fantasizing. They went to the tomb, and they didn't see nothing, and they come back talking about he's alive, right? And then, and then look what it says in verse 24. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Listen to this carefully. Because they didn't see him, they thought he was still in the grave, and he had not been resurrected. Oh, Lord Jesus, today. They had a faulty perception of who Jesus is. Here's the question I want to raise this morning as we kind of walk through the steps. If I were to ask you who Jesus is, what would your response be? What would your response response be? Are you seeing him for who he really is? Or are you seeing him as something else? Come on, are you hearing me this morning? Look at this next thing. Here's what I want you all to understand. And we're going to flesh this out on Wednesday. It is through a knowledge of Scripture that we understand God's plan for the suffering Christ to become known as the risen Christ. That's, that's the big idea I want you all to understand, to understand with me. So here, here's what that's saying in English, is that if you don't know this, you might not know who Jesus is. I know that's harsh, but I want you all to hear me. Life will shake you if you can't put life in the framework of God's Word. A proper working knowledge of God's Word give us the, gives us the stability we need to make it through any storm of life. Here's how David says it in one of the Psalms Thy Word, he says, have I hidden where? in my heart, that I might not do what? Sin against you. So here's what David is saying. Whenever I encounter sin, whenever I encounter, encounter opposition, whenever I encounter death, I filter it through the word of God, which is hidden in my heart, and it puts me back in a framework. Now, this is deep. Y'all Bear with me. Let me read this real quick. So notice what he says. And he said to them, O foolish ones, And slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And look at this. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? A rhetorical question. Okay. I'm going to put this in context. Was it not necessary that the Christ or the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Here's what their expectation was. They expected that Jesus would come riding on a white horse, that he would overthrow the Roman Empire, that he would just set up kingdom in Rome, and that here's what James and John, put me on your right, put me on your left. Come on, y'all know this quite well. They were expecting power. They were expecting authority. They were expecting status in in, in the world. And and, and Jesus himself said to him, listen, if you knew the word of God, you would understand it's not about that. Oh, y'all not hear me. Let, let, let me help you with this. If we know the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with being a Christian and still having cancer. Yeah, yeah I don't like that. Y'all yeah, don't like that. If you know the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with being a Christian and being broke. If you know the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with being a Christian and, and having ch- life beat you up. There's nothing wrong with being a Christian and having to struggle through life because here's what we do. Whenever anything looks, hear me out, like it's not God because, and the only framework through which we define God is the expectations that we have on what God should look like, what God should be, what God should do for us. And when that thing don't happen, here's what we said Lord, pray for me, the devil is on my back. And the text says, if you understood the word of God, you would have known for yourself that the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world will not come the normal route. He's going to go through some trials and some tribulation and some persecution and some suffering. He's going to go through all that stuff. But listen to this, listen to this. But in the end, he will rise to his glory. The problem with the church, we will call a prayer meeting in a heartbeat the moment persecution comes. But when all is well, excuse the grammar, ain't no needing to pray. Because God's got my back. So here's what well looks like. How you doing today? Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> but when it gets rough... We can't see God still being with us. And so here's what we say. The devil is on my back. As if God packed up his bag, went back to heaven, and left you by yourself. And so here's what we do. We stop being and we stop doing in the bad times. Since I just got through talking about finances, The moment you stop giving is when you don't have. The moment you stop coming and worshiping is when things get rough. Come on, talk to me. Come on, talk to me. The the moment you stop socializing and me too, the moment we we go in this funk is when we hit the low moment. And here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. If you had a proper theology of suffering, you would have known for yourself that the Messiah had to suffer. He come on, he had to go through what he had to go through. He had to, are you hearing me? Because here's what he said. Because understand with me, his goal was never the earth. It was to be glorified and make it into the presence of God. And if your focus and your goal is the earth church, if it's, it's empires, governments, wherever we find ourselves, we are going to miss it every single time. Sure. Turn to the and say, neighbor, yeah. take your eyes off of stuff. Here's how Matthew 28 says it, right? Lo, I am with you. Always, are you with me? Come on, come on. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So, 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 here's a practical application. In the middle of the family dispute, he's standing right there. In the middle of your worst nightmare, he's standing right there. In the middle of your weakest temptation, he's standing right there. In the middle of whatever it is we find ourselves going through, he's standing right there. And the reason we can't see him, either we don't know him, or we've had a faulty perception of who he is. And we don't believe that he walks with us, and he talks with us, and he tells us that we are his own. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't let the world shape you or shake you. Listen, I am almost there. I need to hit this thing real quick, and then we're going to pick this up. So here's what the thing, here's what a proper working knowledge of Scripture does. Listen to this. It places your experience. I, I, need, to, I need to flesh this out for a little while. It places your experience in the context of Jesus' ability, and he opens your eyes to the truth of where he is or who he is. L- l- I need to say this. He, he opens um, a proper work of the scripture places your experience in the context of his ability, then he opens your eyes. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So, so let's, let's, let's read. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. Let me, let me flesh this out. Y'all, y'all have to bear with me on this one. Um, look at this. Look at this real quick. It says here, verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. You guys see that? Jesus acted as if he was going further. Y'all see that? But they urged him strongly, stay with us for this toward evening, and the day is now far spent. And because they urged him, he did what? He went in, and he stayed with them. I'm going to read, I'm going to read. Quick application. It looked bad, 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 bad. She had filed for divorce. It looked bad. It looked bad, it looked bad. And, 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 and he was sitting there, what is it I'm going to do? Trying to figure it out. And then here's what Jesus did. He was there with him the whole time, and he pretended as if he was going somewhere. And dude is standing there. Man, what am I going to do in the midst of this storm? Because it looks bad. All right? Here's what my Bible says. In, in their worst might, nightmare, they didn't tell him, going about your business. They urged him in. Talk about appropriate time to pray. In the worst nightmare. This is why I'm saying to you, I'm concerned for our country, because if there's a time to pray, yeah, yeah. If there ever was a time to invite him in, is when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here's what Jesus is doing. And and, and and I know this may sound bad theologically, but walk it out, walk it out with me. It's as if he's walking by the church waiting for somebody to. Yeah, yeah. And 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 here's what we say, we got this, I'm I'm this and I'm that. We got this, we've got to it figured out, and but it looks bad, it looks terrible, it looks ugly. And he's saying, just 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 invite me in. And I'm guaranteeing you, the moment we invite him into our worst situation, he will take over. Don't, don't fool yourself into thinking you've got it figured out. Okay, look at the text with me, and I'm almost done. Here's what it says. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed them, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And what's the next phrase says? Their eyes were open, and they what? I, I got to say this. I got to say this. I got to say this. I find it amazing that through all the teaching that Jesus did in verses 25, 26 and 27, all that scripture he exposited about himself, the following verse does not say their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It wasn't until he went in their house, sitting at the table with them, and told them about where they met him so that they saw him. See, the problem with a lot of us in here is we meet him along the way on Sunday morning. But then when we go home to watch the Patriots and the Falcon, we forget he exists. And he's not at the table with us. Come on, come on. You got to take him home with you. Are you hearing me? You need to bring him to the table with you. You need to walk with him and stop with him. And and here's here's what this says. When Jesus came in, he took over. He was the invited guest, but notice what he did. He did the serving. He was the invited guest, but he did the serving. And listen to what he says. He took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then they recognized him. Now, I don't have time to deal with a lot of this, but let me just say this. and, And if this doesn't make sense, come back on Wednesday night. Most of you, when you read this on the surface, you're saying, oh, he served them the Lord's Supper. A lot of people say that, right? A lot of commentators will say that, so on and so forth. Oh, they're having the Lord's Supper, so on and so forth. I'm going to say to you, no, it wasn't about that, it wasn't about that, it wasn't about that. Is He reminded them of what he could do, and he reflected on their mind on where they saw him meet a need that they had in their life. You remember with me. Luke wrote this, and we don't have time to deal with all the scriptures, that in the feeding of the 5,000, are you with me? He broke bread, had them sit down, and he distributed it to them. So the same thing is happening again. He is performing a miraculous in their life, in their home. He is meeting a need. And listen to what they says. Oh, I remember that. You were the dude that when we were hungry you fed me Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. You you were the same dude Man, you're him. You're the guy that, that when we were going through all this stuff, you were right there. And 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 we didn't recognize you because we were following you for the wrong reason. I wish I had somebody in here. Listen, listen to me. Here's what he will do: he will put your context, your, your experience in the context of his ability when you sit with him, when you talk with him, when you fellowship with him. Here's what it looked like. Amen. Amen. Oh 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 you you were the guy in the room when I was overdosing on drugs and the reason I didn't die is because you were there oh, amen you're the guy yeah you're the guy oh, amen you're the guy when when i had cancer and the doctor said i was done and you stood over me and you said no he ain't done yet you had the you're the guy oh, amen you're the guy when i went through that divorce and and, and i was going to be bankrupt and it was going to be over but you said i've got the last word you're the same guy And they placed their experience in the context of his his ability, and they remembered they were never without him. Open their eyes, and they saw him. Let me say this, and I'm done. Nothing you've gone through in life, nothing you will go through in life, you're going through independently by yourself. Jesus is with you. The only reason we're making it is because he's right there, right? Allow God, because notice what the text says, and their eyes were opened, okay? The same passive voice, it's like this. They didn't open their eyes. It's once they put their experience in the context of Jesus' ability, it's like God went like this. Now you can see him. Now you can see him. Now you can see him. See, the problem with us is we think we made it on our own. We think we're self-sufficient. Allow God to open our eyes. Are you with me? Last thing and I'm done. Last thing. I'm Look at the last verse. And then we're going to stop with this and pray. Look at the last sets of verses. It says here, verse 33, they arose that same hour and returned where? And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And he's appeared to Simon, and they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Here's the last thing. When you see Christ, and you realize he's with you, becoming a witness is not optional. It's what? Obligatory. I'm telling you. If you've encountered Christ, you're gonna have a case of the I can't help it. You're gonna tell somebody. They ran back to Jerusalem, that's girl, dude, bruh, let me tell you, man, that was the dude. Because now you've seen him. Are you hearing me this morning? Here's my encouragement. Here's my encouragement that we're gonna pray. It looks crazy, it looks bad, it looks difficult. It looks like, man, we're going through some stuff here in these United States. Spirit of the Lord, I dropped in my spirit to share with you. Regardless of what it looks like, it's not about who's in power. It's about who I am. Always see me in the midst of whatever storm you find yourself in. And just like I said to Peter on that rough sea, don't take your eyes off of me. Are you hearing me? Allow God to open your eyes so you can see Christ. Bow your heads with me. Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're gracious. Lord, you're kind. God, we need you. We need to hear from you. We need you to speak to us, God. We need you to move in our lives. Marriages are failing, homes are falling apart. Financially, it's tough. We don't know what's happening in our economy and government, we, we don't know what's going on. We wanna see you, God. One songwriter said, just open eyes of my heart, God, so we can see you, we wanna see you, God. In the midst of this storm, We want to see you, God. We want to know you. We want to hear from you, God. If there's a person here that's been disillusioned, draw them back, God. If there's a person here that's been going through difficulties, bring them back, Lord. If there's a person here that's been facing life challenges, bring them back, Lord. So we can be who you would have us to be, God. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we adore you, God. Be God in our midst, Lord. We love you, we worship, and we adore you, Lord. In your name we pray. Come on,
1: stand to your feet, and I'm going to.